Hi, this is Chris Date, and you're listening to the The Apologetics Podcast, episode 125, A Christian Dialogue on Voting Third Party, part two. Welcome again to another episode of the The Apologetics Podcast. This time, a part two, a continuation of a conversation that I uh, that I recently began having with two friends of mine, each of whom are advocating third party alternatives to Trump and Clinton. Um, as three of us are Christians, consider ourselves evangelicals, disaffected with the Repu- Republican Party to one extent or another, and we've been exploring. Um, We've been exploring third-party options, or at least we began a conversation exploring third-party options. In part one, we discussed what our problems are and what many Christian evangelicals' problems are with the primary, the, the main two candidates and their parties, Trump and Clinton. Uh, this episode, we'll talk about the two parties that my friends are advocating for, uh, their specific platforms, the uh, where it is that the candidates maybe differ from those platforms. We'll compare the two parties, and, uh, and then if we have time this episode, we'll talk about other more generic third-party considerations, or we'll put that off into a part three. Uh, we'll play that by ear. Let me introduce my guests again. Uh, first, starting with my longtime friend and fellow um, podcaster, uh, formerly known as Dee Dee Warren. And my friend is Karen Ann Harless. How are you, uh, Harlos, how are you doing, Karen? I'm doing good. Fired up on the Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> good. I, I said formerly known. That might be a little bit of a misnomer. That was a that's a pseudonym. Do you, you still? I mean, you you published your your book under that name as well. Do do you still ever go by Dee Dee in any context? No. Okay, so we should make sure to call you Karen moving forward. Uh, I'm happy as long as I'm not called a bad name. Okay, how, how about a how about a um, uh, call you the the Mystery Babylon? Yeah, will that work? Uh, <laughs> no, that <laughs> that's not entirely flattering. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't, don't remember even that. want to know where that came from. Oh, there's a long-standing joke there. Indeed, yeah. This this comes this comes from uh, her her days podcasting against the hyperpreterists. Um, Anyway, uh, so anyway, thank you for for joining for joining us this morning. For those of you who um, are, are listening, uh, this is really in the early morning for for all of us. And so, uh, Karen and, and my other friend, whom, whom I'm about to introduce, have done me a real favor by getting up early in the morning to record. I turn now to my other friend, uh, who who is a who become recently friends with me, uh, and who has been doing some ministry work with me, with me as well. Christopher Ray, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here. I'm sorry, I said Christopher, and as we talked about last time, I should be calling you Chris. I'll try to remember that. Uh, well, let's let's get the ball started, um, and and I'm going to turn to you first, Karen, if for no other reason than that, than that the party that you're advocating for seems to be uh, a little bit bigger in terms of numbers than um, than my other friend Chris's, uh, and and the party that you are involved with as of late is the Libertarian Party. So maybe you can tell us a little bit first about. What drew you to the Libertarian Party? How it is that you got involved and why? I got involved in it 
in, in, in an odd way, because I mentioned in part one that I actually despise politics. I actually still do despise politics, but it wasn't something that I was looking for. In fact, as you know, we have posted together at the Theology Web Forum, which still exists. I just don't own it anymore. And there was a political section. And, you know, I avoided that section. I like, never even posted there. I owned the place. And that was like, you know, the closet that door that you don't open because it's full of crap you don't want to put away. Mm. But I was just talking a bit on Facebook and the actual specific discussion, and I was finding that this happened much, but this actual specific uh, discussion was about people putting spikes under overpass bridges to keep homeless people from sleeping there. And, and I was arguing that that was like quite a horrible thing to do. And this was actually with with a bunch of Christians. And a lot of them were, were advocating that this was perfectly acceptable behavior. And I was getting called, you know, sh- you know, shut up, you, I'm going to use some terms here, and these were from Christians, let me tell you, Christians are some of the most unkind political people on Facebook, if you if you haven't encountered that, um, but, it, you know, I got a lot of comments like, shut up, you libtard, and, you know, you dirty liberal, and all this, and I was deeply insulted, because I had always considered myself a conservative, and I'm like, I'm not a liberal, I assure you, I'm not a liberal, this isn't a liberal issue, and as I kept getting attacked by some people, I said, you know what, I said, I'm actually probably more of a libertarian, and then I realized after I said that, that that was one of those in the heat of the moment comments, and I used a word that I didn't even really know properly what it meant, I just pulled it out of my my rear end. So I decided I'm going to, but it felt right. Like the little bit I knew, I'm like, that sounds like it could be a good fit. So I went to the lp.org website and I read their platform and it literally was a come to Jesus moment. The next thing I did immediately after reading the platform was go to the Secretary of State's page and switch my voter registration on the spot. So it was like something that happened within the course of 15 minutes. I read their platform and said, it was one of those moments which we've all had with certain views we've had where you for the first time you concisely it was like there was a meeting of the minds with an invisible writer that expressed perfectly what I thought. And I was like, if that is politics, I could get behind that. Mm. And after registering, I just started poking around uh, locally and started getting involved, which is funny because when I moved here to Colorado, it was very difficult. A lot of the things I was involved with in Florida, you just can't transplant from one state to the other and expect to move your whole life. I was involved with a lot of Christian ministries and things in, in Florida that I hope to find their counterparts here. And I just wasn't. And my, my husband was like, you need to meet people because I work from home. You need to get involved in things. And now he's almost like, did I say that? Oh, my Lord, look what's happened. So that's basically how I got involved. But it really was a sudden shift. He literally came home from lunch that day. And I was like, oh, by the way, I just switched my voter registration. And he was like, so what? (laughs) Mm. Well, so you said that the Libertarian Party platform really resonated with you. Uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit about why the Libertarian Party and its and its platform might be a good fit for many of those of us who have identified uh, as Republicans or with Republicans in the past as Christians, uh, but might, may find ourselves a bit disaffected with the Republican Party and looking for an alternative. What what in the Libertarian platform or, or ideology? do you think is going to be really appealing to such Christians? Yeah, as I said in the first podcast that I never come to, and, and I know, but I, I believe in being brutally honest rather than trying to sell a product because I think, 
honesty, people are going to find what they want and they know when they're being sell, sold a bill of goods. I, I don't come to things primarily in, in – uh, and I'll explain this better, but it's it, – I didn't come to it that I'm looking for a Christian politics. I came to it that I'm looking for a fair and just politics in which Christians and non-Christians could live together peacefully. So I look for one that will be – allowable, allowable, it's not the right word, that will be friendly and nurturing to my Christianity, but friendly and nurturing also to people of other points of view. So if someone is going to come to the LP platform looking for some Christian handholding, they are not going to get that. But what they will get is freedom for themselves. And to have that freedom for you want for yourselves, you have to be willing to give it to other people. Um, I use an Aslan reference, which for for this is one audience that will love my Aslan reference. <laughs> I say that liberty is not a tame lion. And, and that's what you get, honestly, when you come to the LP platform. I read it and saw that in such a world – everyone would be able to fulfill their lives in, in a way that they saw fit. And that's what resonated to me. And I do think that that should resonate to a Christian. But if you're coming at it that I want to see God in this, I want to see my religious values in this, you're not going to get that from the Libertarian Party. I didn't come to it looking for that. And the absence of that actually was appealing to me. Okay. Now I'm going to press you a little bit on this claim, and I think it is a claim, uh, that the Libertarian Party is, is, you know, really about liberty and freedom. And, and perhaps I, I, the, the claim that I'm going to cha- or the challenge I'm going to offer has to do both with the platform itself as published on the website, as well as based on comments that, uh, its candidate, Gary Johnson, ha- has recently made. And you can probably guess where I'm going with that, but we'll come oh, to I'm that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. No, it needs to be discussed. Yeah. And, and we'll come to that in a minute. But, but I wonder, first of all, before we, um, Talk about because uh, there was another question I was going to follow up to that with, and, and I'll get to that in a second about why maybe it won't be appealing in certain ways to disaffected Christian Republicans. But I want to turn to you first, Chris. Um, I know that in part one you said that uh, that you also find the Libertarian Party really attractive, although that's not ultimately where you currently land right now. Um, what do you see as possible beyond uh, what Karen has already offered? What do you see as the reasons why the Libertarian Party might be a good fit for many disaffected Christian Republicans? Well, when I look at the Libertarian Party and the majority of their platform, you know, I really hearken back to a lot of the early American history that I study and the way that that the founders and the proto-founders really looked at liberty. Uh, One of the quotes that comes to mind for me that I I often like to really, really tear apart and and use uh, (laughs) and quote poorly is from Roger Williams, where he said, you know, when he set up the, the state of Rhode Island uh, and, and fought, fought for religious liberty or liberty of conscience is a better term. He said that liberty of conscience means even the heathen is free to be the heathen, you know, and the fact that it's not a Christian centric principle, although those who fought for liberty of conscience believed and still believe that it is rooted in the Bible, that it is a biblical, uh, biblically sound principle. It's not one that says liberty of conscience, provided you believe in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's liberty of conscience, period. And the Libertarian Party really seems to embody a lot of that for me. I love their focus on small government. 
Um, I love their focus on uh, not misusing taxation. And at least from the surface readings that I've done in the LP website, you know, really believing that the Constitution is a fixed document that ought to be adhered to rather than one that needs to morph and be recreated and reinterpreted uh, as the times change. Hmm. Okay. If, if you would indulge me one second, Chris, yeah. to just if I could read a few sentences, only because you, you asked how I got hooked, and I tell you it was really with the first words, because when you – when you go on to actual platform positions, I mean, they could be really boring. I mean, face it, even though I think the Liberty Part, the Libertarian Party one is written very well, let's face it. And in most, most platforms are going to get you in the preamble. The preamble is what's supposed to, that's the poetry. That's what's supposed to draw you in. And if you would indulge me just to do a few lines from the Libertarian Party preamble, this is what attracted me. Is when I opened the page, I read, as libertarians, we seek a world of liberty, a world in which all individuals are sovereign over their own lives and no one is forced to sacrifice his or her values for the benefit of others. We believe that respect for individual rights is the essential precondition for a free and prosperous world, that force and fraud must be banished from human relationships, and that only through freedom can and peace and prosperous parity be realized. Consequently, we defend each person's right to engage in any activity that is peaceful and honest and welcome the diversity that freedom brings. The world we seek to build is one where individuals are free to follow their own dreams in their own ways without interference from government or authoritarian power. And it goes on a little bit, but that's the summary statement. And that's where everything will flow from those basic principles. Okay, so let's then begin to – it's a beautiful statement. I, I totally agree, and, and it's very attractive. I just wonder how uh, how much that actually plays out in reality. And, and, and we'll, start to begin, we'll start to move in that direction by asking uh, the question that I said I would ask a moment ago, which is why might the Libertarian Party not be a good fit for some disaffected Christian Republicans? And, 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 I, and I want to um, – Talk first about the party itself and its and its platform, as opposed to its um its its presidential nominee. Sure. Um. So so Karen, you know, you you said that you have come to this not necessarily as a Christian, but somebody who seeks liberty for both Christians and non Christians. But we are. I, I have built this as a Christian conversation about third party voting options. So why might conservative Christians uh, not find the Libertarian Party and its platform officially? Uh, to be a good fit. Well, if if someone is looking for a party that desires to put into law or uh, upon other people uh, certain Christian moral positions that as libertarians believe, do not infringe upon the rights of other people, even though they might not agree with the practices, it's not going to be a good fit. If you're, if, if someone is looking for a party that is going to say, if someone wants to destroy their lives through drug use, therefore drug use should be illegal, they are not going to find that in the Libertarian Party. If someone is looking for a party to say, I do not agree with homosexuality, thereby, um, you know, homosexuals should not be allowed to adopt children and should not be allowed to marry, you are not going to find that with the Libertarian Party. I'm trying to think of some other distinctly uh, maybe you know positions that some Christians might hold that they're not going to find there that they find attractive in um, 
perhaps, you know, some Republican or in the Constitution Party, but more explicitly, which will come up, is that the Libertarian Party is pro-choice. Now, even a lot of, I, I, I think the number of Christians that want to see their certain specific morality put into law is dwindling because I think that they're starting to see how that's a, a two-headed snake that bites them. But the, the abortion issue is probably the biggest issue that uh, Christians may have with the Libertarian Party platform. It is the one issue that I have with the Libertarian Party platform. Well, and I was going to say that because, you know, in that beautiful preamble that you read, the, uh, you know, it, it talks about how um, respect for individual rights is the essential precondition for a free and prosperous world. And yet that seems honestly, if I'm just being honest with you, disingenuous when they say that um, because abortion is a sensitive issue, therefore we ought to allow women to kill their children if they want to. And that's really what the platform is saying. I mean, I understand that it, it's a little more nuanced than that. But as soon as you start talking about how, look, we're the party that cares about individual rights and liberties, but we're okay with women killing their children if that's what they choose to do with their liberty, I think is really frankly absurd because of course the Libertarian Party doesn't say it should be okay for um, adults to murder other adults. So, uh, so, so it really seems to be kind of arbitrary. But I will admit that um, at least this, the skimming of the party platform as its platform – um, that's the one thing that stands out to me um, as possibly conflicting with the ideals of some, you know, evangelical Christians who have been inclined toward the Republican Party in the past. Chris, what about you? Is there, is there anything in terms of the platform, not necessarily its candidate, that you see as uh, perhaps not being a great fit for Christians that have considered themselves Republicans in the past? Uh, you know, ha having read through this uh, several times and scanning scanning it again now. Really, the only the only thing in there that uh, that I find difficult uh, is the abortion plank in the platform, you know, plank, uh, plank one point five. And it, like you, I find difficulty with that because one of the key, at least in my interpretation of Lib the Libertarian Party, one of their key benchmarks of whether or not something should be illegal or be regulated by the government is does it do harm. Mm. Does it harm someone else? And to me, being a pro-life Christian, I definitely feel that abortion is, by very definition, doing harm to another person. And that really is the entire crux of the issue. Now, I wouldn't... The, the thing, though, is given that the Libertarian Party, uh, and I believe rightfully so, seeks to be a neutral party, not a religiously based party... I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure out how they could word that better, how they could nuance that better, uh, recognizing that there is harm being done here, and yet separating it from the, the moral issue, from the, not the moral issue, but the religious issue. And I believe there are many, many grounds uh, on which that can be done, and I've actually written about that. Uh, you know, reasons for abortion not to be uh, advocated, even if you don't believe that it's life from conception and things along that nature. Uh, but really, that's the only thing in the platform as I'm reading through that raises flags for me. Yeah. And it, it, I don't know if, Chris, you wanted to give me any amount of time to discuss the whole th that because we all seem to agree that that's the big thing and there there is some background and nuance there 
that non-libertarians may not understand. I, I understand in looking at it at first, it seems very stark and it seems very um, contradictory. Um, but there is a bit more libertarian nuance to it. It doesn't mean I expect anyone to agree with the nuance, but accepting the fact that the people who wrote this aren't so stupid that they walk into Wall's face first, that they didn't go, oh my goodness, I did not notice that this might be harm and it might be in contradiction to the rest of the platform. There is actually some reasons why it is the way it is. Well, I don't I agree with all of them, but there are reasons well, and, and I definitely want to give you the chance to explain that because, um, you know, I, I want I want if the Libertarian Party is a legitimate alternative to the, the, the uh, primary candidates and 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 if there's a chance that the Libertarian Party can win, then I definitely would like Christians to feel comfortable voting that way. But but I mean, it's interesting to me that the one area that all three of us have agreed is the standout in terms of the party's platform itself is the one area where many evangelical uh, Christians consider to be sort of the primary principle upon which they are basing their vote. So, uh, so this, I'm not sure how easily this is going to be gotten around. Um, and by the way, it, I also, I, th I think it's interesting that although Gary Johnson has said, if I, if I remember correctly, he wants to leave this up to the States. Um, as far as I can tell, the um, the statement as written on the platform doesn't limit uh, its recommendation against outlawing abortion to states. I mean, it says that recognizing that abortion is a sensitive issue and that people can hold good faith views on all sides, we believe that government, full stop, should be kept out of the matter, leaving the question to each person for their conscientious consideration. So it seems to me that, that according to the Libertarian Party, as such, not even states – should be able to decide whether or not to outlaw abortion. Um, and so this really does concern me. But anyway, go, yeah, please do offer the background in case that that helps uh, evangelicals be a little bit more informed about this. Okay. And it's, and let me stay right off the front that not all of these justifications or reasons I agree with. I've written extensively um, in the LP about why we should just delete this plank. My, my position is it should be deleted and replaced with nothing, that it's a bramble bush that we can't touch for various reasons. But that's been my position where um, Chris had talked earlier about rewording it. We've been trying to do this for decades. It's not possible without a libertarian bloodbath. My position is that it should just be deleted. And last convention, I was hopeful. So we'll see what happens next next convention. To, to touch on some of the background, Chris, you are correct. It does not leave it for the states. That touches upon a whole other issue, though, within an internal libertarian party um, debate. We're an umbrella organization from very strict constitutionalists all the way through anarchists, as you know. But as a general rule, the LP does not believe in states' rights. We, we have a little quip that says we, states don't have rights, people have rights. So we very rarely will send something to a states' rights issue, though we do believe the more local the government, the better. So in that sense, we favor things going to states, but not because we believe in something called states' rights. Sure. So I just wanted to make that clear because that's something that people don't don't get all the way. So that's why you'll see just government a lot where we leave it generic because even if we got it as local as possible, there's certain things we don't think your your town should be able to outlaw. Well, and that's exactly my point is that according to the party platform, not even towns right. not, should be able to tell a woman she can't murder her unborn child. 
Okay, let me be blunt. This is what I argued to the Libertarian Party itself in my position paper. I said, as it stands right now, the platform would answer the question, can I kill my baby one minute before natural childbirth begins? The Libertarian Party's platform answer would be, that's up to you. Bluntly, that's what it says. A lot of libertarians have a lot of dealing with it to do, in my particular opinion. You know I don't soft sell things, Chris. That's what it says, and I don't like it. That's why I think it should be gone. Um, the fact is the vast majority of libertarians hold to a viability view. Well, let's say at least a good third of them hold. I'd say the Libertarian Party is divided into almost three equal parts. People like myself who believe it's life from conception. Let's let's word it in the libertarian way. Rights bearing life from conception. Because mm. very few people deny it's a lie. But the, the thing for libertarians is does it have rights? Um, another would say rights bearing life from viability. And others would say, nope, up to the moment of natural childbirth, the, the mother's rights rule. So we're pretty – we're divided into thirds. Okay. And, and what is the – or maybe I missed it. What, so what is the uh, – what you see as the, the, the background to this plank that, that you wanted to, uh, okay. to share? Um, it's, it's the philosophical background. It, it, it's easy to state that the libertarian position is that – we're for anything as long as it doesn't harm another person. And that is the simple way to put it, but that isn't really exactly precise. Let me let me take this out of the abortion question, but into another another question. Like we believe that people should be able to interact with each other as free traders. Let's say that I wanted to go get a job and the employer was a Republican who hated pink haired libertarians. I would say he should not be forced to hire me. I would be harmed by that. I wouldn't have a job. That might be the only job in town. I might be like out in the streets because I couldn't pay my rent. I'm definitely was harmed by that person's decision, but I didn't have a right not to be harmed because that's his property and his choice. So it needs to be nuanced like that. So peep, so some libertarians will say, and this is where we disagree, but I want you to understand the libertarian logic of this position. We do not believe that another person can be forced to sustain the life of a person. To use the violinist analogy, which we all should be familiar with in the abortion debate, Chris, if you end, if I got kidnapped and you ended up getting, you know, hooked up to me for nine months, and that's all I had to do, and if I disconnected you. You, you would die. The libertarian position is I have every right to disconnect from you because I, I, there's no obligation for me to sustain your life. I probably should, particularly you're such a nice guy. I probably should, <laughs> but I can't. It's you don't have a right to demand that from me, and therefore it's not an enforceable right. And a lot of libertarians will hold the relationship between mother and unborn child to that way. While morally she should sustain their her life, one person's body cannot be forced into sustaining the life of another. That is why most libertarians, even if personally pro life cannot see the government getting involved. Now, I can tell you if you want a more nuanced version how there's a libertarian answer to that because that actually is very logically consistent. 
Well, so well, hold on. I do want to get to that, but but I have uh, a question though. This this is this is why it seems to me that the Libertarian Party is like a is like a pendulum swinging all the way to the other end of the pendulum when really it should have found a place in the middle because it does seem like you said to be very logically consistent. The problem is I doubt that they're actually being all that logically consistent in other areas of life. And and maybe you can correct me on this. And this this is the question I have for you. Do you think that the Libertarian Party would say it would be okay for parents to take their um, three-year-old and go take them into the woods and, and leave them there because uh, because by law they shouldn't be obligated to take care of the children? See, and that gets into this issue. No, because oh, it, I'm trying to keep the philosophy as simple as possible, but Libertarians do not believe in unassumed positive rights, meaning – positive obligations that you have to actively do something for another person. But they believe that the relationship between born children and their parents is one of guardianship. So it's an assumed positive right. And I, I like to, again, do, I like to take the comparisons out of the realm of this emotional thing. Let me give you an, another example of an assumed positive right. If you're an airline pilot and you take a bunch of people up in the air, you are using your body to have to sustain the life of these people because you have the skills to fly that plane. But it's a contractual relationship. You agreed to do that and you put people in a position that they would be worse off had you not. So you have assumed a limited positive right. The same thing with a parent. If they no longer want to take care of their children, they have the obligation to find a guardian who will because they assumed that positive right by making another person dependent upon them. It's the same theory that would follow in tort law. If I'm in a car and I injure you, I may have to support you for the rest of my life even though I don't want to because my actions forced you to become dependent upon other people for your sustenance. And that same theory would come into play in the parent-child relationship. Well, now, and I'm going to turn to Chris, to, uh, to Chris in a second uh, for, for his thoughts, but the last question I have for you on this issue is um, – I think that's an extremely reasoned argument. And the question I have for you is, would your fellow libertarians agree with the the reasoning insofar as it applies to born children and their relationship with their parents? Who, me, you saying? No, other libertarians. You, other libertarians. Would they agree with your reasoning, at least when it comes to born children? Oh, the vast majority would. But let me tell you, libertarians are like Christians on certain (laughs) issues. You get 10 libertarians in the room and you're going to get, you know, 12 different opinions. But on this issue, I've just delivered to you libertarian orthodoxy. There are some libertarians, even famous ones, such as Murray Rothbard, who made some very controversial statements about children's rights, which I absolutely repudiate and the Libertarian Party would absolutely repudiate. So you're going to find some outliers that say some odd things, but I gave you basic um, libertarian orthodoxy. Now, if you if you think about it for a second, you'll now see how I apply that then to abortion. And you'll also see why as a libertarian, and I know this is not go- going to maybe go over well, but again, you know, you can always count on me that I'm not going to soft sell something. As a libertarian, 
I can see why the platform would have an exception for rape. As a Christian, I still have a moral objection to an exception for rape. But my argument then as a libertarian for why abortion should not be something acceptable to a libertarian is that there's almost a contractual relationship. If you're a woman who has consensual sex with another people, another person, a man, uh, presumably, because that's how babies are made, we know how babies are made. And you have then voluntarily assumed the risk that another human life might become dependent upon your body. And so I view it no differently than me hitting somebody with my car, taking somebody up in a plane, or a born child. And I think that is the consistent libertarian position. So the argument then becomes whether there's some kind of, if there's actual consent to a, uh, some kind of contractual relationship. But that's my libertarian argument against abortion. And why consistently, though, I would have to say as a libertarian, there's a rape exception because there was no consent there to take on that obligation. Do you think that if – imagine that you're a pilot and, you're, and you've taken off in a Cessna and, you're, and, you're all, and you think you're all alone. So you've, you've obligated yourself to care for nobody. And then all of a sudden you find – you discover that a five-year-old boy has snuck onto your plane and is up on the plane with you. And you hadn't agreed to, to take care of this person. Would, you, would it be okay for you to, um, to force him to get off your plane at you know, 10,000 feet or something like that? Or would it be okay for you to crash the plane into a mountainside because you're, you didn't sign up to take care of this child? When you say okay, here's where we start Legally. Legally, okay. You know, I haven't considered that enough, and I don't okay. like giving off-the-cuff answers. That's fine. That, that, I, I, that's, I respect that. My knee-jerk reaction would be in a strictly libertarian context, you probably do not have a, a legal obligation. But I don't know. I haven't thought okay. about that one. I All really right. haven't. I, I appreciate it. Chris, I want to turn to you and, and get your thoughts on the abortion issue before we turn to Gary Johnson. And, and in the limited time we have, there's really only one issue I want to talk about unless you guys have others. But but in terms of this issue of abortion, this seems to me, like I said, to be a case of the Libertarian Party swinging to an extreme end of the pendulum. I Is actually that... have an answer to that now. Okay, it's, well, I hold on. I thought on. about it, but it, I, you disturbed me for a moment, but I have an answer. Well, we'll call, I'll come back to you before we turn to Gary Johnson. But, 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 but Chris, what, what do you make of this abortion issue? And, and do you think that this is – I mean th this is, this is an, a case where it's literally built into the party platform – um, the the allow you know allowing women to murder their unborn child. Do you think that a disaffected Christian Republican can sort of hold their nose and look past this party platform it plank and vote for somebody like Gary Johnson because it's better than Trump and, and Clinton? If we're comparing to Trump and Clinton, I believe they can, and let me explain why. And maybe that surprises you, but let me explain why I believe they can do that and opt for Gary Johnson over Trump and Clinton. We know for certain how Clinton feels about abortion, okay? If Clinton could have her way, you know, the, the baby'd be halfway out on the birthing table and you could slit its throat, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and with Trump, he says he's pro-life. He's been very, very vocal about being pro-choice for many, many years. So it's difficult to really know how he nuances that position. Uh, and how much of that is solely for political expediency. Uh, so that's a difficulty. Um, I don't know Johnson's specific position. I don't know where he is in the LP. If, I, if I'm uh, not mistaken, he wants to leave it up to states. Is that right, Karen? He, I, okay, well, anyway, I'm sorry. I want to give Chris a chance to finish. I apologize. If that's the case, if he wants to leave that up to states, I would say that 
broadly speaking, looking at this broadly for people from many different faiths or no faith at all, that makes sense to me. I, I do agree with states' rights, which was kind of a an interesting uh, interesting thing that Karen brought up. I won't go through that rabbit trail right now. Um, but for those who believe that abortion is is heinous, uh, who believe that abortion is the murder of an innocent life, um, regardless of how that life came into being, especially for those of us who are Christians, who many of us believe that for a life to be conceived isn't simply a biological thing, that there's a divine hand in it as well. It still presents a difficulty there. I understand the libertarian position, though, and I'm not sure that a party trying to be what the libertarian party is trying to be could take any other position. That's that's the difficulty there. Uh, well, I- with it, without being a an overly or overtly religious party. So I actually agree. I feel like I agree with Karen's recommendation that they remove that plank. Well, I certainly think removing the plank would be better than leaving it in, but but I, I, I don't think it would be consistent to allow for one person's rights and liberties to be infringed upon for the sake of another's. That seems to be eminently uh, contradictory to its very um, to to its very core, um, but anyway, uh, going back to you, Karen, I, I want to talk about Gary Johnson in a moment. Um, but you said that you had an answer to my question about the five year old who uh, is a stowaway on your Cessna. Yes. So Well, there's a and it's very early, or else I would have had because I know there's going to be some libertarians listening to this era going, "Oh my goodness, you know, I could have answered that in when I was day two of a libertarian." When when you are enforcing your rights, you have a, a an obligation to enforce them in the – it's called the minimization of force principle. So if, if someone uh, is stealing a paperclip from me, yes, it's my property and I have the right to defend my property, but I can't just stick a bullet in his head for that. It, it's disproportional. So if you're someone who went up flying, there were certain expectations that you were – we're going to be landing the plane yourself and you know there, there's there's very little additional extra burden placed upon you to allow this person to stay on your plane that the minimization that that the minimization of defensive force because that's what we're calling it because you, it's something you didn't agree to do would come into play and killing the person over that would definitely not be the minimization of defensive force and that would be the libertarian answer to that then every libertarian should be opposed to abortion. Anyway, I I agree. <laughs> I but you you oh, want to know, man. I I agree with you. I, okay. That's the argument. That's the argument I make. Yeah. But there's there's libertarians who hold to something called evictionism. I hate going down the libertarian rabbit trail, but this is an abortion issue. Walter Block holds that life begins from conception, but he also holds the, there there is no contractual relationship. So thereby, someone's life does not. Um, you, you can't be forced to sustain the life of another. He goes, but you have to get rid of the unwelcome tenant, I think is how he puts it, with the minimal use of force possible. Right now, 
that does mean that the unborn will be killed. And he uses that terminology. But he said, if you take this position as technology increases and the reality of artificial wombs increase, that if you hold the evictionist position, you will save more lives because viability is getting pushed back and back and back. And pretty soon we may have a technology to extract the um, fertilized egg and put it in an artificial womb. And I think that's actually, that's a more consistent libertarian position than the wild and crazy, just abort whenever you want. I have a lot of respect for Walter Block's position. All right. So would, go ahead. I'm sorry. So then would Block advocate that abortion should be not allowable once the fetus or once the viability catches up with technology? He would, well, he would say eviction should be okay, which means removal and preserving it. But it ought to be done with the minimum amount of force. So if, if the fetus is to a point where it could be viable in whatever technological sense outside the womb, that should be done rather yes. than aborting. Yes. And he would say that now when it comes to viability, um, that there there is abortions done now on perfectly viable children. And he would say, no, those need to be done to preserve the life of that child. Now, there are, there, there are extreme libertarian, uh, uh, extreme feminist libertarians that I'm going to tell you, I write about them in my article that I think have perfectly horrifying views who say that the right to an abortion uh, is the right not only to not have the child inside you, but the right to demand a dead child. And I think that's absolutely horrendous. But there is that view out there. Again, I don't soft sell, soft sell my positions. Uh. But I think uh, Gary, uh, not Gary, Walter Block has a, a almost a middle ground ab- abortion position that that is consistent. But a lot of this comes down to what, how much, how much consent is enough consent to take on the um, the responsibility to be the life support system for another person, and that's the intra-libertarian argument and why it isn't quite as simple as it appears on the face of it. Okay. Well, I, I want to move on from the abortion issue. I do think it's as simple as it appears, and I and 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 it makes me want to cry to know that this discussion even has to be had, but. That's you know other... I agree with you. I know, I know. But okay. let's t- let's let's start talking about Gary Johnson now, and and because we're, we've got limited time, and I really want to talk about the Constitution Party as well. Um, I want to focus on sort of the elephant in the room. Um, in t- in part one of this conversation, we all talked about what we agreed was probably better called liberty of conscience as opposed to say religious liberty. Um, so we'll use the term liberty of conscience, even though you know in in common parlance it's it's religious liberty. And for a party that is all about, or at least purports to be all about the the the, the rights of people, uh, the liberty of people, and 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 for a platform that bills itself as such. Um, it seems extremely ironic to me that Gary Johnson has, on record, as far as I can tell, said no, uh, photographers and bakers and such should not be permitted by law to exercise their conscience and refuse to service, say, a gay wedding. Um, Karen, I want to give you a chance to, to talk about this issue. And, and do you think that this is as big of a... Um, uh, inconsistency and, and, and as it seems to be, and do you think that it's something that you know will cause disaffected Christian Republicans a bit of pause? 
Okay, boy, this this is a whole bramble bush, and you're going to have to allow me a little leeway to do a little bit of introduction. First of all, I'm a party person. I'm not a candidate person, um, and a lot of people aren't that way, and I understand most people listen to the show won't be that way. And when we get to defending why people should go third parties, I can defend why I am that way and why it's different than being in the major parties. So, yes, there, Gary Johnson acknowledges that, it, it, using his words, he is sideways with the Libertarian Party on this issue. So, yes, it is a contradiction, and Gary Johnson concedes that he does not – he's off-platform. He's off-platform on that issue. It, it, it's not in dispute. His last interview, he openly said that, you know, I do not agree with the Libertarian Party on this. So would that be a potential issue? I would say it might be a potential issue, but when – even with the abortion thing – when I'm when I'm looking then at a candidate and not at a party platform, I I have to ask in the scope of things and in all the issues we're going to look at, how important is it? And for people that think that this is going to be the big government oppression over the next four years, it would be a deal breaker for them. But I'll tell you how I think Gary Johnson should have answered this question when he first got asked it by Austin Peterson. He got asked, would would you tell a Jew that they have to bake a Nazi cake? And he said he would. And I about died a little inside. The way he should have answered that question, in my opinion, and here I am thinking I'm smarter than a governor, which is probably a lot of chutzpah on my part. But I would have said, we are how much in debt? We are in so much foreign entanglement and drone bombing people. And, you know, the, 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 the cops are shooting people in the back on the streets. And we're worried about, you know, this one, you know, swastika cake that only exists in your imagination. Seriously, this is what we're talking about. That's the way I would answer it. And that's the way I reconcile myself to this issue. We have such huge problems in our country right now that this freedom of association issue, which is what it is, is minor. And I do think it needs to be addressed, but it's not something that is going to be a major focus of any libertarian candidate president if, if we were, if the stars were to align in the next four years. We have much greater problems. By the time that that became an issue that really needed to be on the top of the list, hopefully we would have someone who was more consistent. That is a way to look at it. And in in, in one sense, I can say that. And in in another sense, as you know, I'm part of the radical wing of the Libertarian Party. So obviously, to me, it it is a big issue. But as a candidate right now, we have so many larger issues that he wants to focus on. and, And that is a way to look at it. Okay. Can I interject a question? I was just going to turn to you. Yeah. (laughs) So if we're speaking to, and we are ostensibly on this podcast, speaking to Christians, speaking a lot of them to disaffected Republicans or former Republicans with that population. And, and I've seen this in forum after forum and group after group and conference call after conference call. This is a hot button issue for them because many of those people, among whom I count myself, believe that this is an imminent battle within our culture because of things we've seen like the bakers in Oregon, very, very close to where I live, uh, the wedding photographers, things like that. To, To say that the candidate differs from the party platform is all good and well. But if we're saying 
Republicans or conservatives, you can't vote for Clinton or Trump, consider Johnson. Doesn't Johnson's position on this then come right into the limelight? And how would you recommend, as someone in the LP, that a conscientious conservative Christian, how would you recommend that they reconcile that? In exactly the way I said before, I'm not downplaying it. I think it's a big issue, and it's a big issue for me. We had we had bakers in Colorado that had the same thing. Um, so I'm, it's it's I simply deal with it as an issue I disagree with. That in the scope of things that we need to deal with is somewhat small, though I do think it is coming up in the culture wars. I hate that terminology, but in a way, I think it coming to a head even more so, might actually burst forth some more freedom because I think we're going to start to see how even more ridiculous it's going to get. I, I, I can't defend his position because I don't hold it. So there's not too much I can say other than I disagree. And I would say on the scope of things I disagree with, it, out of the candidates, if we're talking to someone who's just looking at the candidates and not the party platform, that... You know that that Clinton's position is going to be far worse on it. I don't even know what Trump's position would actually be. I think it would be whatever the person, whatever's going to, you know, earn him. Um, he, he, it'll be whatever's convenient at the moment. <laughs> and I actually think Johnson is becoming more nuanced on this and getting and getting better on it. Um, it Johnson. Johnson has a big heart for people. I understand where his position is coming from. So I, I you, you got me in a position here where I just have to say the party and the candidate disagree, but I don't impute any ill faith to him. It certainly isn't any animosity towards Christians. Um, I just think he's wrong on it. That, that That's really all I can say. I agree with the party platform on it. But in the scope of things, you're going to get more liberty with, with Johnson than you're going to get under the other two. And let me then say, when you, when you have particularly a minor party candidate, people are going to hear him, but then go dig deeper into um, actual liberty ideals. And I think even though he disagrees on this position, his name being out there, being associated with being libertarian, will bring more people around to being on what I think is the correct side of this issue. Um, this is the same thing with abortion. I think we're relying so much on the laws to change and not focusing more on getting the people who disagree with us in the culture to change their minds. We need to get the people who favor these kinds of laws for, for all the right reasons because they have big hearts and they can't imagine their loved one walking into a bakery and being told to their face, basically, we don't want your kind here. That's the way they look at it. Now, I know we, we know about all the religious um, justifications that there are for this, but just put yourself in the place of these family members. That's how they see it. So we need to find a way to, to reach them on the cultural issue and show why this is not that and why this is allowing greater freedom and diversity for all. And, and the libertarian name associated with Governor Johnson will shift, I think, the culture, ironically, to be against his view. 
that is the way I look at it. And same thing with abortion. You know, if we could overturn Roe versus Wade, Wade tomorrow, you and I may be rejoicing, but I think that might be the most disastrous thing that could happen for the pro-life cause because the culture hasn't changed yet. We have to change the culture on these issues. And it's not done through presidencies and it's not done through laws. It's done through so, basic cultural philosophy. I so think. are you saying that, that as Christians, we need to actually be witnesses rather than just voters? Yes, I do. Wow. But wi- well, look. Um, well, let me, let me, uh, I, okay, this was, the, we went into something here that I realized that I have a different context that your listeners might not. I, I, when you're asking for a philosophical, I, I'm of the the opinion that, that religion doesn't only just involve God, that atheists are just as religious. And I know I just ticked off a bunch of atheists, but I think religion broadly encompasses your worldview and your ideology. And there are plenty of non-religious or non-theistic religions, as it were, because it's your ideology. And in that sense, the Libertarian Party is an ideological party. It is a worldview. And in that sense, quote unquote, a religious view. I know I just now lost all the libertarians. So when you said that should libertarians be witnesses, I wasn't referring to being witnesses to the gospel of Christ. So of course, I think libertarian Christians are always supposed to be witnesses to the gospel of Christ. But in our politics, I think libertarianism often is more about educating people, quote unquote, witnessing than necessarily winning the next election. We have to shift the culture. Okay. I I will say when um, when black people were enslaved, um, if you were, or, or or let's say when they were being, uh, you know, um, whipped and, and beaten in the, in the streets and lynched and stuff, if if somebody were to tell the civil rights advocates, um, you need to change the culture before you can change the laws, I think they would have, um, I think they would have shed a tear. Anyway, um, and, and I would agree I'm, with I'm, you. I've actually got it. I've got to take a little bit of a, of a historical issue with that, Chris, because that's actually what the founders did. In a lot of the con- conversations around the Constitutional Convention, many people spoke up against slavery, and it was basically mutually agreed to table the issue until the country itself, until the nation itself was strong enough to be able to survive the kind of a divide that that would take. So, so it's interesting because it actually, in, in hearing what Karen's talking about, about changing the culture prior to changing the politics is almost exactly what they did around the slavery issue. Oh yeah, but I'm not talking, I'm talking about, uh, lynch mobs and, and, and hangings and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, that, that era, I'm not talking necessarily about what the founders did. I'm talking about, uh, you know, decades later, but, but look, we, we're running out of time and we've already kind of run out of time to be able to talk about the constitution party, this part. So it's looking like this is becoming a four part, <laughs> uh, discussion. Um, hopefully we can, uh, hopefully we can get the third and fourth parts or, or just the third part, if that's what it turns out to be recorded soon. Um, but, but Chris, I want to turn to you for any final thoughts on either the, um, uh, Liberty of conscience or religious liberty issue uh, or, or anything else either about Gary Johnson or about the platform of the Libertarian Party as a whole that, that you think should should at least – that you think disaffected Christian Republicans should at least be aware of um, when they're deciding whether or not to consider voting for the Libertarian Party? I think it's very important that uh, 
disaffected Republicans are presented the nuances of these positions. And here's why. And this is actually one of the reasons so many people uh, are going toward a third party now is because within both the Democratic and the Republican parties, there's a lot of ideologues, for lack of a better term. It's very much about this is the party line, this is the way it's going. And of course, we've seen that highlighted uh, this year with, with Donald Trump. We're not used to, I suppose, that level of nuance. And that's really strange uh, to say that because prior to becoming disaffected, if you will, I would have said absolutely within the GOP, there's lots of nuance. There's lots of different positions here and we discuss this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I've been noticing the more I've been looking into third parties that that really doesn't seem to be the way in in the two uh, the two major parties. There is a lot less nuance and there is a lot more power grabbing. So seeing these nuances and seeing that within the LP, there are these discussions going on and there are these different camps to make sure that these voices are heard and that the platform represents the best middle ground to accommodate the diversity within the party. I think that's actually a beautiful thing that a lot of us who are outside the LP wouldn't automatically assume. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Karen, before we wrap uh, this part two up? You, uh, of course. I would, I would encourage everyone to go and take a look and read the platform for themselves. And I will, I, I will point out things that I think that uh, Republicans need to be disaffected. Christian Republicans need to be aware of coming into it that I said at the beginning, but I like to be very, be very clear on it because I like people to know what they're getting into. We, we've dealt with the abortion issue. So that will, that will be the big thing, but they, they also need to be very aware that, um, you know, in a, in a libertarian world, people are going to choose to live their lives in ways that you might not agree with. And, this had come up before where it said, oh, well, one of the concerns is that it seems like there's libertines in the Libertarian Party. And the fact is, yes, there are. And there are also um, very conservative, you know, tight white line living folks. And the fact that they both agree on the same philosophy, I think, is so fantastic. But it's something it's something that they need to be aware of. It could be something of a culture shock because it is, it is a, it is a complete worldview shift. Yeah. All right. Well, I have uh, really appreciated each of your um, time this morning and uh, I'm looking forward to part three where we will shift our focus from the libertarian party to the constitution party. As usual, I will include links to the various resources that uh, Karen and Chris have provided in the show notes for this episode. And, um, uh, and I'm looking forward to continuing the series later. I, thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Chris. Chris.